sing loud as soon as you can read, or I guess when you memorize the words, join your mom and dad. So tonight we are in Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, Ephesians is a book that it speaks directly into our lives, like all the Bible, uh, but we have lives that need renewal. And Ephesians is here to explain how we and our communities can be renewed by God. Maybe you're here tonight and you're feeling kind of down and hopeless, especially if you look at the world and you get on any news site or watch five minutes of any you know, news program. I'm just like, man, i got to turn this off. This is so discouraging. I don't need to be primarily informed, though, about what is going to happen and what hope I should have by the news. I need to look at God's Word, and so do you. And so, the book of Ephesians... Uh, it tells us about the renewing power of the gospel of Jesus. Uh, we long for renewal. Doesn't Paul talk about how we groan, not just us, but the creation as well, uh, to you know, experience this, this full adoption and glorification that the Bible talks about? But Ephesians also talks about uh, renewing community in another sense, and that is the church. I hope that you have experienced uh, the renewing power of the church as a renewing community. Uh, I'll get into this in a minute, but I think RUF for me in college, I fell in love with the church and uh, the, the body of Christ in a way that I don't think I ever appreciated growing up in the church as a covenant child. Uh, I'd never had a depth of friendship uh, in RUF and in my local church in Athens, Georgia, where I went. So we're gathered here, and you do gather here every week, and I hope... Uh, that tonight, as we come to the, the topic of prayer, which may be a struggle for you, uh, that this passage uh, speaks into uh, your desire, your need, your hunger pains, uh, your groaning uh, for renewal, and that you'll continue to come back, continue to value the local church, God's word, the power of prayer uh, more and more. So uh, I'll pray for us before we read from Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 15 to 23. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word. I pray that you'd bless our time in it. And I am a broken man. And I pray that I would not uh, distract at all uh, from your word. Uh, but like uh, that Spurgeon quote, I would let the lion out of the cage. Because your, works, your word speaks for itself. So I pray that I would get out of the way. And that we all, uh, myself included, would see uh, glorious things. Uh, from your law tonight. So we pray your blessing uh, over our time in uh, the book of Ephesians. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I forgot to turn there. Sorry about that. Oh. So Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, and reading to the end of the chapter. For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. 
What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Again, the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of the Lord, it stands forever. So, uh, John Stott uh, points out the fact that the book of Ephesians begins with a word of praise. If you were to read the first 14 verses, you would see, oh, wow, he's, you know, this is thanksgiving, this is praise, uh, it's celebratory. But then he quickly moves right into prayer. That's what this, this sermon tonight is about. And how you've got to, John Stott says, you've got to have both. Uh, this is the quote. He, he says, uh, some people... Seem to do little but pray for spiritual blessings, apparently oblivious of the fact that that God has already blessed them in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Others lay such emphasis on the undoubted truth that everything is already theirs in Christ that they become complacent and appear to have no appetite to know or experience their Christian privileges more deeply. If you're a Christian, you probably identify with one of those groups. Maybe you pray all the time, but you struggle to rest in what's true And praise God for that. Anxiety, maybe. Or maybe you don't pray because you actually take for granted all that's yours in Jesus. And you're just, it's going to be fine. You know? What do they say? Let go and let God. Sometimes that can be taken way to the extreme where you're just like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Let's just sit tight. Uh, And you're complacent. But here is Paul encouraging us to to do both. He started with praise. And now uh, he prays for us. Uh, and encourage us, encourages us, I think, by example, to pray. So what does he pray? Ultimately, he's praying that we would know. That's the sermon title. Look at verse 18. Paul wants our minds to be transformed with life-changing knowledge. And Paul mentions that he is so encouraged by these Christians, by their faith in Jesus and their love for others in verse 15. And so they've always been on his mind. And he thanks God for them and prays that the Father of the Son would give the Spirit And he's praying because if the Spirit will come, he will give these Christians knowledge, wisdom, revelation, this heart enlightenment. And guess what? Their lives will be changed. They will be renewed. Their lives and their community will be renewed. Like I was watching the rain, I sat on my front porch, which I love doing when it rains in Tallahassee, and just watching the rain hit. And as soon as the little puddle is formed, you see that droplet form and it sends a ripple out, right? As God uh, works, as we just do the, the regular means of grace, an individual life has changed, a relationship has changed, a church has changed, a community has changed. Revival happens when we are just reading our Bibles and we are you know, faithfully following God. But as we engage in these normal means of grace, they, we, the body, will literally be a blessing to the world uh, and the people around us. And so Paul prays for three main things uh, that these believers would have knowledge of so that they'd experience greater joy, unity, renewal in Jesus. And there are three points tonight. He prays that they would know what is the hope to which uh, they're called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance, 
uh, in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward them. So hope, inheritance, and power are our, our three words for tonight. So let's get into the hope of, of their calling, of our calling. Look at verse 18. Uh, Paul starts mentioning uh, these prayers and he mentions first that, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Uh, we all know that hope is future oriented, right? But this hope that he is referring to is way more powerful than how you or I might use the words, uh, the, the word today. Um, I mean, I, I, I hope that tomorrow is a pretty day. Uh, but, but the way that Paul's using that word is, is way, way higher than that. Uh, this hope is connected to calling and it is from God. Uh, the Bible speaks over and over again to our calling that we're called into belonging to Jesus in Romans 1, 6. We're called to be saints toward growth in what the Bible calls holiness in Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 2 Timothy 1. Uh, we're called to freedom from all the stuff we struggle with, the sin that we struggle with. Um, but we're also called into difficulty uh, and even suffering. I think of Abraham, how God says, you've got to leave what you know. And, and he does the same thing with Ruth, doesn't he? You've got to leave the familiar, and I am calling you to walk by faith uh, to what I have for you in the future. That's not easy. God may call us into difficulty. He may call us into suffering. And as we grow in these areas, uh, this hope is going to grow. Uh, as, as we uh, follow the calling that God has for us, uh, the way that 1 Peter 5.10 says it, is that after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Uh, it, it's strange to think that dying to self, uh, that um, saying no to the things that our flesh uh, may want will lead to life, but that, that's what the Bible teaches, right? All over the place. Or as John the Baptist says, "I must in, uh, decrease uh, for him to increase." Uh, like many things these days, uh, all of the, the this talk about um, calling makes me think of my kids. And we've currently got a seven, five, two-year-old, two-month-old, and my wife is due in June. Uh, please pray for us. Uh, but what is happening uh, to my kids each and every day? They are growing really fast. You know, like a baby does not stay in a onesie for very long. They wear it one time, they get it dirty, and I mean, it's just like, oh, wow, we've got to get rid of that one. Um, but there's this thing that, that babies go through called Wonder Weeks that you may have heard of. And uh, partly I think it's called that because your, your baby's all cranky and you're wondering what is going on. What is wrong? But I've also read that their brains are developing at such a crazy rate. Uh, and they're making these jumps in hyperspace where like, they're literally able from one day to the next to comprehend something that they couldn't before. They're able to maybe sit up. Like, you're like, whoa, they just did that. You know? Or they started crawling or standing or walking. And like, babies are only capable of, of developing these skills after their brains have matured to a certain level. And a strange illustration, but y'all, what if God wanted you and me to know the hope of our calling in Jesus? What if God is dropping wonder weeks on you and me, wonder days, wonder years into our lives? It may be a hard season for you right now, and you may be thinking, God, what are you doing? 
This is hard. This is confusing. But what if he is giving you and me more and more understanding uh, as we experience you know, how uh, sinful our hearts may be, but how faithful he is in drawing us to himself, in remaining faithful to us, in growing in wisdom, you know, as the Bible talks about, it is not always a easy or pleasant thing. But what if he is giving us understanding of the hope of our calling and we are less and less enamored uh, with this world? And we're saying, you know what? I don't need this. Lead, like we just sang, he leadeth me. God, continue to lead me. Because of what Jesus has done, God the Father is calling you and me, and we've got to listen to him. Paul prays that you and I would have hope in that calling. He is calling us to so much. But what else does he pray for us? Right after the hope of his calling, we see in verse 18 that Paul prays, we would know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. What do Christians inherit from God? Uh, because of Jesus, our inheritance goes all the way back to you know, blessings that God uh, promised to people like Abraham in Genesis, uh, that God would bless him with descendants, protection, uh, that he would conquer Abraham's enemies. But the bulk of this inheritance that, that, that we are promised is still coming. It is ahead. Uh, a pastor uh, named uh, Hendrickson um, says this, Paul is speaking about the glorious riches, the marvelous magnitude of all the blessings of salvation, particularly those still to be bestowed in the great consummation of all things. And you know what? One of the best parts of this inheritance is that it belongs to all believers and we will get to enjoy it together in community. It's not like in this life, this burden of winning the lottery, where you may hear some person, they go crazy, they blow it, and because they just have no idea how to spend it or invest it. Or uh, uh, there's a 30 for 30 about uh, professional athletes called broke because they just get all this money and they don't know they don't have wisdom in, in how to deal with it. You know, this all this money comes to them and they get taken advantage of uh, and they end up going broke. No, it's not like that at all. God's inheritance is meant to be enjoyed by all of God's children and better enjoyed in community. So. Although the the best is yet to come, us gathering together to learn about this inheritance, uh, gathering together and studying God's word, uh, we we will enjoy it, I think, more together as the body. And like I said before, I think RUF helped teach me this. I cannot do theology on myself. If you want to make heretical theological errors go do theology by yourself don't pay attention to history don't pay attention to you know amazing documents like the westminster standards if you want to understand what god is saying through his word you know check yourself with other brothers and sisters in christ with good commentators uh with like i said good documents like uh, the westminster confession and the the catechisms but I think back you know, in college, I think God was letting me taste aspects of my inheritance. Connection like it's meant to be experienced. Enjoyment of God without distraction you know, that was my shame or other sin. You know, that I was content in him. Uh, an inheritance usually is a monetary thing, or at least you know, what the person before wants to pass on to the person after. The next generation. 
So us growing in our knowledge of our inheritance from God in many ways is us having our minds and our hearts transformed to kind of appreciate things the way that God does. I think of uh, Psalm 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Like as we make God the main thing and he transforms our minds and our hearts, we are going to, our desires are going to align with his. Uh, so don't you long to value what is actually valuable? And not be let down by the silliest things uh, like we often are. Again, I go to the Pilgrim's Progress and Vanity Fair and how so many people are so distracted by what Vanity Fair offers. I think FSU is pretty much Vanity Fair. And college students show up and they think, what do you have for me? What, What kind of adventure can I experience? And I am there, Lord willing, to say, don't settle for this. You know, don't settle for uh, that C.S. Lewis quote, making mud pies. You know, like you could be building castles at the sea. Uh, Don't settle for all these trinkets. There is something so much greater uh, than what you know. There's community so much greater than you know that you could experience right now. Let's move on to the third thing that Paul prays for. And that's in verse 19. That we would know the immeasurable greatness of God's power. What kind of power are we talking about? Paul answers that immediately. He says, according to the working of his great might. Or literally translated, that phrase is the energy of the might of his strength. This pulsing power, uh, picking up in verse 20, that God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet. I mean, think about it. Like, what are the most powerful things you can think of in in this world? Gravity, electromagnetism, nuclear force, death, evil. I think of Huey Lewis singing about the power of love. What a curious thing it is. Y'all, Paul knows... Paul is praying that we would know the power of God, which is above all that, right? The power of God that raised Jesus and beat death, that seated Jesus at God's right hand over all rule, authority, power, and dominion. Whether that be people or nature or or forces of evil. Paul's saying that God is more powerful than all these things and that God actually already demonstrated that power and that we now have access to it. Not only that, but it is like it's it is pulsing through us because we're connected to the head. Verses 22 and 23 remind us Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And because he is alive, we are alive. And his power is connected to us. And of course, you know, we don't need to try to go off and do the church uh, in isolation or do theology all by myself. We've got to stay connected to the head, and we need the other parts of the body. But what if we learned more and more to be the body that is connected to Jesus? What if we learned to live more and more into who we are, studying passage like, passages like 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 12 and following, that talk all about the different members of the body and how we're di- gifted in different ways and how we need each other. I mean, I just think about all the bodies in this room and all the different gifts that you bring how are you going to learn what gifts those are if you're not interacting with each other if you're not letting each other uh, into uh, your lives 
Don't just settle for you know coming to church, sitting with the people that you know, and uh, and not going deeper. As we learn each other's stories, as we uh, study God's word together, I, I really think that you know these years pass, and we value. I mean, just simply, the extrovert values the introvert. Wow, you are your operating system, my wife, is completely different than mine. As a young kid, I did not value. I was like, man, that's too bad for them. They just can't hang for very long. You know, I've got this huge tank over here. The older I get, I'm like, oh, my goodness. The way that she operates will keep me from burning out because I don't know when to stop. I mean, whatever your personality is, whatever your gifts are, there are other people with other gifts that you may not value. But, man, you should and you could learn from them. One of the most epic scenes uh, in uh, the 1990 film The Matrix goes like this. The bad guy who looks like an agent but is actually this evil robot uh, Matrix simulation. Uh, I think his name is Mr. Smith. The main character is holding a telephone. He shoots that telephone. It breaks apart, meaning the main character, Keanu Reeves' character, cannot get out of the Matrix. And oh no, he's about to be destroyed by these bad uh these bad alien robot things. And Trinity, this other woman who is connected to him, uh, one of his friends, she's able to escape. The phone is destroyed, and Keanu Reeves' character is just, what do I do? And so she says, run, Neo, run. But he doesn't run. And it's, you know, when, when she asks the mentor, Morpheus, what is he doing? Uh, he's not running. Why is he, you know, why is he not afraid? Morpheus responds, he says, he's beginning to believe. And that may totally confuse you if you haven't seen the movie. But w- what follows is this absolutely amazing fight scene where Neo is believing more and more he is capable of being who Morpheus knows he can be. This especially powerful human who could possibly end the war with these evil machines. And as Neo is like, oh yeah, like, I am capable of this. I can do this. Neo fights hard, and there's a moment where he almost loses, but the film ends with him accessing more and more power to defeat this same agent effortlessly, this agent who is trying to convince him, you're nothing, you're no one. And it's just this awesome scene that I can't go to sleep after I watch because it just fires me up. But, y'all, there there will be times in this life where uh, maybe like in the screw tape letters where – uh, the uncle is trying to convince the nephew demon, oh yeah, you know, get him right in that place of, 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 of being so discouraged, of being complacent, of, of feeling defeated. And you may feel completely powerless, like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I feel like I am losing. But I hope that you will, like I was just talking to somebody before the service, I hope that you will see the power of prayer. Uh, that, that you will grow in hope, that you will uh, be reminded of the inheritance uh, that Jesus has for you, uh, that you'll be reminded of the, the power that we have access to because of what Jesus did, uh, that redemption was accomplished on the cross, and that the Spirit... Remember when Jesus said, it is better that I go so I can send the Holy Spirit? And then the curtain is torn, and we have that Spirit now. Do not let yourself get discouraged. Do not let the evil one and, and your sin and your past, uh, you know, whatever that may be, 
convince you that God can't do uh, what the Bible clearly teaches us uh, he has done and will do. The beauty of the gospel is that God doesn't come to you and me and ask us what we can offer before recruiting us uh, to be a part of his family. No, God enters into relationship with us already having everything that he needs and he welcomes us into his family to make us whole. To renew us, reorienting us with a calling, a destiny beyond our wildest dreams. An inheritance more valuable than anything we could ever accrue or accomplish in this life. And a life and a power that is unstoppable. So you may you know, be defeated by death. I guess, you know, unless Jesus comes back, that's all going to happen to us. But Paul is praying that you would know these things for your life. Don't you want this renewal? I know I want it, I know I need it, and I need to be reminded of it every single day. Not just every Sunday, every single day of my life, so that I am not, uh, you know, like the, the great hymn says, prone to wander. You know, uh, I need God to seal my heart. I need he, him to draw me uh, to himself, and I need him to remind me uh, of the power of prayer and of the hope of the gospel. So I hope uh, that encourages you uh, tonight. Let's pray, and then we'll sing. Our hymn of response. Lord, um, I thank you for Paul's prayer for us. Um, And I'm reminded of um, Jesus' prayer for us in in, uh, the Gospel of John. Uh, Those of us that were far off at that time, uh, that, that were not yet converted, and Jesus was praying for us then. Lord, I'm encouraged that the Spirit groans for us. Uh, And when we don't know how to pray, uh, that the Spirit is praying uh, in ways that we can't understand. Groaning's too too deep for words. But Lord, I pray that we, uh, as the body, would grow in our appreciation for belief in prayer. Um, You ask us to pray, you teach us to pray. And I pray that we would uh, be prayer warriors, uh, not thinking that we've got anything in and of ourselves uh, to save or to transform, but knowing that we are connected to you and you are the creator of the universe uh, and that you give us your spirit. And so we we cry out to you that we would not let uh, anything or anyone uh, distract or discourage us Uh, from looking to you, um, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We as branches, God, I pray, would look to the vine, uh, would look to the vine dresser uh, and ask you to do work on us, uh, to remind us of who we are in Jesus um, and to transform us uh, as you've justified us and that that is done, that you would sanctify us that you would make us holy, that you would purify us, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit. So we offer up our lives to you in the name of Jesus now. Amen. Let's stand and sing number 280 as our hymn of response.